everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart here with Betsy Vaughan. Betsy, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Easter. Easter Friday? Good Friday. Yeah. Good, Good Friday. Friday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's an official showing, Friday. Yeah. yeah. Um, showing my heathen nature and forgetting the actual official name of the holiday. <laughs> you, you, wait a minute, you didn't get a text from your mom asking um, what time you were going to church today? I do you know, I didn't. In fact, I probably owe my parents a call because I think two weeks have gone since I last called them, which Uh-oh. is pretty bad. Um, it's weird. So as I'm still trying to get used to, A, the time difference, being in the UK and dealing with the US for five years and dealing with that five-hour difference backwards, my mind just automatically corrects for it. Um, I always remember in, okay, going deep history now, but in my parents' kitchen when I was growing up as a kid, they had a clock, like a novelty clock thing that went backwards mm-hmm. instead of forwards, like a analog clock with hands, but it went oh, backwards yeah. instead of forwards. And the weird thing was you immediately got used to that or pretty much immediately got used to it and could read it straight away. But then if there was another clock in the kitchen that ran read forwards, that always took a minute or two to calculate for some reason. It's almost like contextually your mind switched. Yeah. So the yeah. setup that I've got here at the office at the house is the same as the setup because I brought all my stuff across, obviously, and set it up in, in pretty much the same way. So it's almost like contextually in my mind, whenever I'm calculating time, I'm minusing five hours from the numbers that I read on the screen. As opposed to now, I have to add five, hours, add five hours to think about what the time actually is in the UK if I want to speak to a family. And invariably, then it gets to sort of late afternoon here and then it's starting to get too late there. So anyway, all to say that oh, it's yeah. um, it's strange how your mind kind of really gets used to doing things one way and um, then we're jumping That's into doing it a different way. That is so true. That happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, that was a bit of a random start to the show. That's okay. Uh, I think we... they've come to expect it. <laughs> There's always something you know, random. And this is even with spending 10 minutes before we hit record, getting all of the random <laughs> stuff out of the way. And <laughs> we really should just record all of our conversations. I keep saying this. And then there's got to be some kind of valuable information in our conversations. Like a, that... an Aster Dark show. Exactly. There would be a lot of sifting through... Um, Today, just before we started recording, we were looking at uh, Nigerian hand-free headsets for phones, which was a meme that I remember from years and years ago. So if anyone's not driving whilst listening to this and uh, wants another distraction, then yeah, Google that. (laughs) Um, So down to business. Yeah, what are we going to talk about today? Well, today we are going to talk about using other things to create the book. So this is something that we've talked about on the show before, but it still comes up many, many times in the conversations that both right. you and I have with people. Um, the classic example is that someone has a webinar recorded or a, a live event that they've got recorded, and they'll be using that currently in their funnel as part of a campaign, and then they just want to repurpose that as as a book. So we'll talk about the pros and cons and confits <laughs> pros and cons of that i think benefits was going in there somewhere um pros and confits of that and uh what might be a better way of thinking about it but actually it ties in pretty well with last week's show as as you're listening to this last week we had jonathan schulteis uh, and talking about some of the things that he was doing and there funnel their campaigns that they've got set up that refers to many different assets that have already got mm-hmm. created and uh, this ties in quite nicely with that because jonathan if you remember has other books already and yeah. other recorded material but rather than just try and repurpose that for 
the latest book that they wrote focused um we recorded something fit for purpose from scratch but then use all of those other elements in in part of their follow-up so that i think is what we're gonna what we're gonna that was a great podcast um so if anybody hasn't listened to that one um that was good jonathan has great energy if you can't be you know inspired by the things that he's doing and has done and um he really just, when I have a conversation with Jonathan, he just kind of gets me pumped up, you know, right. and, yeah. I, and he doesn't even realize he's doing it, you know, so. Yeah, um, that enthusiasm for his, uh, for both his subject and why he's created and the way that he can engage people, that enthusiasm really comes across and it's, uh, yeah. it's the, the episodes that we do with with authors are really some of my favorite just because that enthusiasm and the kind of passion that people bring to it and then the results that they get and in some ways quite unexpected it's um it really kind of underlines the purpose of what we're doing and and helping people get these things out there agree okay yeah um why don't we start? So we talked about this a couple of days ago when we were mm-hmm. thinking about what we were recording this week. So there was, um, without naming names, but mm-hmm. you had a situation where you were talking with someone about exactly this this yeah. situation. Do you want to give a bit of background yeah. there and then we can um, use that as the so example? Yeah, we have a, we had a, this week specifically, um, we have a gentleman that was looking, who came on board. And so he says he has a webinar series that he's, he has done and, um, really was kind of pushing to use that, um, to create his book. You know, he said, Oh, I will transcribe it. And, and, and then we can just use that. And, um, thankfully we ended up going a different direction because, you know, he said, the book is, he said, the webinar is exactly how the flow of how I want the book to go, which is fantastic because I will say most of the time it's, that's not the case. Um, most time it's like here, I've done this webinar here. I've done this stage presentation and, can you just fix it and make it all kind of flow? And so that becomes a lot of work on everybody's part, you know? Um, so with him, he, he had, he's like, I know this, these are the subjects. And so, um, that I want to do, but we ended up talking about it and just, um, very few. And we say this a lot, very few people speak in which a manner when they're recording to, so that it could go into a book, you know, there's most people don't speak like that. We, we, um, when you're doing a webinar or a stage presentation, you're speaking differently, first of all, to your yeah. audience. Um, and that's the biggest thing. And, and people don't realize, I think they don't realize until they transcribe it and go, oh, wait a minute. This is, you know, I'm pointing at the stage or I'm pointing at the yeah. screen or that or you know, I'm kind of nodding my head at Joe over here in the front row, <laughs> thing, you know. And so I think that's where, you know, until once we transcribe it and kind of go through it. Um, and I think even listening to it, cause I'm like with this webinar, I watched it and, and there's a lot of great information. And so what I was able to pull from this specifically was sort of the topics that he wants to talk about. Um, so it was, this one happens to be beneficial because he was very organized in his thoughts and a bit of, you know, a perfectionist, if you will. So self-proclaimed. Perfectionist. <laughs> so let me say that. Um, so it, there was some, some value to it. And, um, from this end, I mean, there's a lot of value and, and I know we're going to get to this, um, you know, sort of an after fact or, or, or as, uh, marketing, you know, ideas and stuff. We can, we can, we can use those things. So, um, but I did end up talking to him and we were able to say, Hey, let's, let's go this, let's use our process, but we'll use your webinar as a guide. And then we don't have to worry about so much, you know, yeah. cleanup, if you will. So um, let's, 
look, let's dive into the process a little bit because I think that is going to set some context for why we nine times out of ten suggest that people, in fact, more than that, ten times out of ten suggest that people don't just try and use something that's created for another purpose. So when we're looking at the ninety minute book process, whether you're doing it with us or whether you're using the framework to do it yourself, it's thirty minutes to outline and get the chapter structure. So the title, what it's about, why people should raise their hand in the first place, the outline, which is really the the milestones or the the building blocks that lead people towards the back cover and the call to action or the next step. And it, there's lots of um, lots of other podcasts where we've gone deep into those those elements specifically. But when we look at the time to create that, the 90 minutes is 30 minutes outlining and then 60 minutes to record the content. Just as you said, the content is then recorded fit for purpose. It's recorded in a way that we know it's going into a book, that we're not relying on prompts behind us on the stage or the interaction or body language or mm-hmm. non-verbal cues that always come out when when you're talking in front of even if it's just one person. So the time and kind of overhead of creating something that's fit for purpose is 90 minutes. Now, the 30 minutes is pretty much unavoidable anyway, because we'll need to outline with people regardless of whether they're trying to use something else or, or recording fresh. So really, we're down to 60 minutes worth of effort now. And the likelihood of having something transcribed and then it taking less than 60 minutes worth of your time mm-hmm. to either pull out the bits that aren't relevant or chop and change bits if the order isn't quite fit for purpose or go through and pull out the the references that you're making to things that are happening on the stage that aren't happening as, as it's being read. The likelihood of doing being able to do that in less than 60 minutes, I would say, is, is zero. Because oh, yeah. no matter how close you think it is, it's going to take at least 60 minutes worth of time just to even re-familiarize yourself with it to mm-hmm. the extent that you can then go through and, and chop it up. And that's without, that's not even taking into any consideration the kind of editing around grammar and language and, and context yeah. that you'll invariably have to do as well. So we're pretty, um, like I said, I think it's, it's 100% of the time we'll go back to people and suggest that they don't do it. There's there's one or two occasions where people have then gone on to do it and it does take more time, but um, people are and it And people don't realize, I mean, I think people think, oh, I can transcribe and I'll just send it to you and you'll fix it. And But the reality of it is that's, I mean, we, we can't. I mean, we could, but you don't want to pay us to do that, you know, because it could get very pricey very fast. Right. You know, we just don't. And, the, and the, the way people speak, we don't know what's the most important thing that needs to stay right. in there, you know. And I that, think so. that's the most important thing and the thing that can't magically be fixed by just passing the problem mm-hmm. to someone else. We can fix all of the the grammar stuff grammar, and the language yes. and even to a certain degree the flow um to a certain degree but mm-hmm. you're right it starts once you're dealing with a an input a, a base file that's less fit for purpose all of that starts to get more expensive because mm-hmm. it's more time consuming but the thing just as you said that we absolutely can't fix is knowing which points are important and knowing wh- where the emphasis needs to be and knowing mm-hmm. what particular part of the journey or the narrative kind of leads through to the call to action so that's something that someone else whether it's us or or anyone can't fix Mm -hmm. without input from you and that same amount of input is better spent 
just taking the 60 minutes to re-record something that's absolutely fit for purpose and correct from the start so that you can spend all of that those extra units of of energy that you would have to spend answering questions just to try and fix something could be better spent utilizing that asset that that webinar that that uh, podcast or presentation from stage those units could be better spent building that into a funnel and a follow-up sequence rather than just trying to repurpose it just for the sake of repurposing it mm-hmm. and I think everyone does think that it's or I think the majority of people suggest it because they think it's quicker because they think they've done yeah. an amount of work to get this to a point that it's it's a good presentation and then not necessarily thinking about how much effort is or not realizing how much effort is in the tweaking because it is all of that little tweaking is where all of the time gets that gets sucked up and instead creating something fresh using all of the same building blocks so just as you had this week being able to not throwing away that work or not um, not making the most of that work, but taking all of that work that's done to outline and and bring together a great presentation, but just taking the the time to re-record it so that it's fit for purpose in the context exactly. is a, yeah. is a much better way. Yeah, I think and, and yeah, and thankfully, you know, I think people sort of rely on our expertise to say, oh, okay, I won't do that. But we have had a few that have sort of pushed a little bit, you know, and that's the way we ended up going and they not they're just sure that it's so great you know and not not that it's not valuable because it is um but in the end they saw themselves doing a lot more work to it than you know again just that uh, what is valuable what's not what can cut what can stay what can go and they they saw that you know and and Nobody's ever said, hey, you were right. I mean, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to because I'm thinking. It's the, uh, right. I mean, it's the sunk cost. Yeah, it's the sunk cost fallacy of, of people who have kind of talked themselves mm-hmm. into that way of doing things, then get through to the end and kind of force through um, the, the only way out is through type thing of, of doing the work to get it completed because otherwise then you are kind of three or four hours sunk into a project yeah. that that could have been done in 60 minutes a different way and Absolutely. those ones i can think of two or three particularly that spring to mind mm-hmm. of ones that have done that and the end product is great i mean it's definitely not the case yeah. that it's you end up with something bad you end up with something just as good it's just that it takes five times longer rather right. than the quicker way and of that's doing the it. thing about this process it shouldn't you know it really right. should it really should take that 90 minutes you know there should be very little time you know in doing this process it doesn't need to be that so um i'm sort of of the of the mindset if i don't have to do the extra work let's not you know let's there's something else to do with that three to five hours of time that you yeah. had to spend you know um so, yeah, I yeah. Um... exactly you said the the experience that we've got now having done over 500 books and doing them in all sorts of different ways, knowing what's the most effective use of of of, of your time, your time mm-hmm. as in the customer's time, not not me and you time, um, right. knowing what works best. It's it's good to be able to um in the early days and and the two or three examples that I'm thinking of are older books rather than more recent books. So being able to push back a little bit more robustly and saying, Hey, listen, that we have done a number of these in the past and we know that where it's a problem, um, not that the end product isn't great, but those units of energy that you'll, you'll have to spend doing it are better spent Mm -hmm. elsewhere. Um, 
so let's talk about that a little bit then on what the okay. benefits are if you do have something that exists already. So I think there's two things that spring to mind for me. One of them is the amount of work that you've done already to to position it, to get it set up, to get your framework clear in your mind. And then the second one is using the asset in in other ways. Um, we talked about this, and I think it was the last time you and I spoke a couple of shows ago, where we were talking about reusing other assets and mm-hmm. building creating this army of, of individual soldiers of individual assets that you can bring together into campaigns that achieve different goals so um looking at that first bit then the the benefit of already having done something because it helps inform the 30 minute stage of the process the the kind mm-hmm. of outlining stage of the process the example i always come back to is kind of our examples of either the book blueprint framework or the eight profit activators framework on the coaching side of the business that we have right. here. So those two things are frameworks that are outlined and very um, the flow of them and how they work to create a book or how they work to assess a business are very clear in our minds. So we know that as the process flows through those particular frameworks, it, it's it's kind of linear. It goes from the beginning and the, the start of things that you need to know. So picking the thing in, in the sense of a book, picking a single target market, knowing that the title is the thing that gets people's attention in the first place, regardless of the content at all. Knowing that, again, regardless of the content, we want to move people towards the next step. Understanding that we want to write something that's engaging, but quick to digest and then present people with the opportunity to learn more afterwards and then start looking at the chapters and how the that conversation flows answering the question that's presented by the or the promise of the answer that's presented by the title through some chapters that are, are those milestones towards the back cover copy and, and the elements after that so knowing that's the case having presented that in several scenarios in several different ways in the past that work when we're thinking about a book to engage with a particular audience we know that underlying framework and the same goes for people who have webinars and presentations typically speaking that's around a framework of their own that's that's pretty strong in their mind that they know the the journey from the title of the presentation through to the promise of the outcome which is the next steps and usually from a webinar or from something from stage that's a, that's an offer to to join a program mm-hmm. they know what the uh, what the questions are that typically come up they know what the problems are that people have they know where in the journey a customer of theirs is whether they're a kind of someone brand new at the beginning of the process thinking about it this is a real high level type problem that they're trying to solve or whether this is very detailed and it's um it's something that only a like a seasoned investor a problem that a seasoned investor would come across rather than someone looking for some basic financial literacy type information so all of these questions that you've had to answer in order to create the presentation, are broadly speaking the same questions that you need to answer to create a great book that will engage people in the same way. So I think people who have gone through that process are at an advantage because they know a lot of the answers to the questions that we're asking. So when we're looking for a title, they already know the language 
that that engages their customers. Mm-hmm. Dean will talk a lot about the starting with a word cloud of the language that people use in as they're thinking about the problem or as they're trying to resolve an issue. There's certain phrases, certain terms, the connection between those terms, where those terms and that language sits on the kind of like journey mm-hmm. of understanding from someone just coming in the beginning to someone who's relatively um, relatively educated on the subject. So all of that you've, you've gone through already. Knowing what their journey is, so what's the next step, not what is the step 10 steps from now um you, from the from the book you're not um we, we rarely suggest that the best answer is come and join us for a very big high level program it's it's the small next step what's an easy way to get started and move people along again case by case that might vary depending on where it sits in the funnel but all of these things are questions that that you know the answer to and you've got an advantage over someone who's just coming into the program knowing that they want to write a book because a book is a great way of generating leads or identifying invisible prospects but they don't necessarily know um, it's like the single target market well I want to attract all of the customers in this area rather than trying to attract a particular subset of them that you can engage in that conversation so I think all of those things for someone who has got something created already puts them in a huge advantage and again whether you're doing this with us and you're answering the questions that, that we're asking you or whether you're trying to do it yourself and using the book blueprint scorecard as the framework to to create your own outline then having all of this knowledge you've already gone through um, you've already done the hard work of of thinking about the answers already it's just you've created something in a different context now we're talking about creating something in the context of a book and those contexts are slightly different no, I yeah, I'm I'm just think something you said just jarred my mind and now I've lost it. Um, so I I wonder about people because if you have done something and I I go back to this case, but we've also had cases where people have had things and they're not had it nicely. Um, there's not organized <laughs> thoughts, if you will, right? You know, um, so they they think that there's like a nice flow here and they're answering all the right questions and whatnot but that's a that's a you know i think that's what people don't necessarily see like they think oh this is all this great information can go into a book but it's not organized in a way in which it it would or could you know um without it being a bigger yeah that's it yeah that's a good point actually because we are kind of going on the assumption that the webinar or the Mm -hmm. um the from stage presentation that you have is a good presentation that follows right. some of the logic that we talk about. But you're right, some aren't necessarily like that. And there's just some unformed thoughts on this on the subject. So there's there's information, but there's not necessarily structure. Right. So and it might a, work if you're on stage and you've got charts and a PowerPoint behind you and you know when when you're talking about those things but I think you know and it somehow it might work or maybe people leave their stage presentation going I have no idea what that person was talking about but (laughs) um but yeah so that's a I I, and I we've we've seen some of those you know we've seen some of those that are just like sort of a a a hot mess if you will yeah Yeah. Uh, so that's a there's a there's a good opportunity to get improvements on both sides and it's always difficult Mm -hmm. and maybe slightly out of scope for us to say um 
yeah, this is nonsense. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah, make any yeah. sense. And we would never um, say that. We would yeah. Say, nah, we're just going to record it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll and then going through that recording process and the outlining process particularly, there's an opportunity to tighten up the presentation. So absolutely, the, that's what I was. I mean, how, what a great. I mean, what a great resource. I didn't even yeah. know they were going to have in the end. Yeah. 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 So when we think about the chapter outline, and this is something that maybe gets lost a little bit. Um, or it's not the main point that people take away from the process that we guide people through. So titles, because we talk so much about them as the thing that gets people to raise their hand, there's a lot of awareness of the importance of that and the difference between a kind of generic title that doesn't necessarily guide people in a particular direction and the title that kind of does what it says on the tin, the kind of mm-hmm. name it and claim it or the how-to type title, which is very obvious. So um, most people get that. But the chapter outline, I think, is maybe not picked up on quite so much. So let's say that you do have a presentation that isn't quite as structured as it could be. It's all over the place a little bit. It doesn't have the kind of flow from the beginning setting the scene of the problem through words that provide the answers but importantly through to a close that guides people to an easy next step that chapter title often say to people imagine that you ripped out the rest of the pages of the book you just had the the cover the back cover and the table of contents now really what most people would want knowing that these books aren't being written for entertainment the product isn't the Mm -hmm. book the product is the service that's being offered at the end of it so most people knowing that they're trying to solve a problem or get to another place get to another outcome then the majority of people i think would be perfectly happy in getting a copy of the book and just kind of through osmosis kind of touch that front cover touch the back cover and have their eyes kind of trace over the Mm -hmm. chapter headings and then there's just enough relevant words there that given the confidence that they're going in the right direction and the the call to action is the right next step for them and then they just move on i don't think that anyone is really reading books for books like this for um for education Mm -hmm. uh, or for entertainment Mm -hmm. they're really reading them in order to get to the next step now if that next step is a specific outcome that they can do so if there are so say for example like the email mastery book that we've written internally and even the 90 minute book itself there's specific steps in there that you can take but really the purpose is to move people to the next to the next step that you are going in the right direction that there's a way of doing this of writing a book in 90 minutes and our suggestion is come work with us but if you haven't done that then you could also go to the book blueprint scorecard and and gauge your own system it's not that people are reading those books for to be entertained so that chapter structure the chapter outline the way that those individual four or five words of a chapter title move people through if you can get to the stage where that makes sense where someone can understand the journey get some knowledge almost just from those couple of words because there's a couple of kind of like big rock milestones that clearly take people from um so again thinking about the book blueprint school card it's choosing a specific target market to to work with it's picking the title of the book it's picking the back cover it's doing the outline it's leading people through step by step so even if you just look at the headings of the 
the, the scorecard headings, even without anything else, without any more words, that would give you either A, an understanding that you're going in the right direction, or B, it would give you enough words that you could kind of dive in and and um, and follow up yourself. So translating that back then to the webinar um, or the presentation that you've got, if your webinar is all over the place and doesn't follow that structure, if you're jumping about, even if the content is good, there's the opportunity to feed that back in and maybe uh, re-record it or restructure it so that the presentation is, is more valuable than, than it was beforehand. Absolutely. Amen. That, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Another thing, I'll just catch on real fast. I don't want to necessarily dive into it, but you know, sometimes people don't realize how um, salesy um, you know, the presentations can be and how right. that yeah. I've seen probably more than anything. You know, they're, they can be very salesy and sound like they're just constantly pitching something versus, yeah. you know, educating them on this, on what they have. And so um, that, that translates in a book, you know, I mean, that comes even that more so. Yeah. 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 Even yeah. more so. Cause when you're on stage and again, this goes back to the whole purpose of this conversation is the fit for purpose nature of what you're doing. It's not, we need to do something, this is something, therefore we should just do this, that kind of logical fallacy of of anything as good as anything else. It's what's the job of work of this thing that we're doing now. So exactly as you said, in a presentation, it's probably a warm room because they're there to see either you specifically, or if it's kind of a multi-speaker event, then it's been brought together and promoted and it's a, it's a warm open to you being there and you're going to provide them value. It is a sales event. Nine out of 10 seminars that are brought together are brought together for the purpose of all of the closings. And there's then a profit share with the event organizer and you as the attendee. But the, the job of work of that event is to sell product at the end of it. And usually they're relatively high ticket items because the speakers have access to the list of delegates already. It's not like that. It's not like the purpose of the webinar or the, um, or the presentation is lead generation. The purpose is closing a sale. It's more of a profit activator in a short amount of time, condensed amount of time. It's a profit activator number three job of educating and motivating people towards the decision. It's not a profit activator two job of identifying the leads from all the rest of the population that's out there. So just from that perspective alone, the job of work and the fit for purpose nature of the content is very different. the the interactions with people at the event or online even if it's if it's an online presentation Mm -hmm. a webinar the interactions with people is much more towards leading them to buying something at the end so the language Mm -hmm. all the way through quite often you'll see webinars that talk about the close in fact if you look at a webinar structure course how you should present it they'll often say do a warm entry to the the offer at the end somewhere near the beginning so kind of build that anticipation or the expectation is this is what's coming at the end and if you leave that in a book particularly if the book is then designed for lead generation it's going to a cold audience where you don't have a relationship having that salesy nature for a product and trying Mm -hmm. to get the close in the pages of the book is way 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 less efficient and we spent some time at the beginning of this call talking about okay you've got let's assume you've got a presentation that's fit for purpose and it could be turned into a book it's just way more work so don't do it 
actually, if your presentation is coming from the context of a close of trying to get a sale at the end of it, then that's absolutely not fit for purpose. And there's then all of the other reasons that we just mentioned why you shouldn't do it. It's not the best idea because that's invariably not the traffic that you took, not the audience that you're talking to in the pages of the book. Um, no relationship particularly i mean we've seen it on some amazon reviews of, of some of the books where people will say this is very salesy particularly uh -huh. if you're selling the book at a price i mean the minimum list price for uh, an amazon book is about 520 thereabouts mm -hmm. um so and if you compare that to and this is a conversation that we have as well which probably should touch on in a future episode is people saying should i charge for my book well mm -hmm. if the book's not the product the call to action is really the product. You're never going to make money from, or you're never going to make any significant money from book sales themselves. So why charge for it at all? Um, mm -hmm. Slight different conversation about whether it should be on Amazon at all versus whether it shouldn't be on Amazon. Different context there. But if it is, understand that whatever your book price is, it's going up against the millions of other books in there, which are written for education, oh, sorry, are written for entertainment purposes, where the book is the product, where tens of thousands of dollars worth of effort and time have gone into creating that as the product, yet still the list price of a book is, is a few dollars on Amazon <laughs> because there's no money in or there's limited money making books right. there's a lot of money in using books to start a conversation with people who later turn into customers and all of that comes back to the fit for purpose nature of what you're putting in the pages that's yeah that's 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 good stuff there yeah think, uh, good advice there um, i think i just wanted to touch on um i'm conscious that we're coming up on just gone past the half hour so yeah um We've actually, we're on the uh, East Coast as we record and there's storms moving in both up in Philadelphia here and uh, and down in, in Florida yes. where Betsy is. So we're trying to kind of beat the power cuts on the recording. <laughs> um, right, right. But the, the one thing that I did want to go on to talk about was using, just briefly, using the thing that you have created in, in the funnel afterwards. So people are quite attached to these presentations. They don't want to see that it's wasted effort. They want to reuse it where possible. Reusing it in the pages isn't the right idea, but reusing it in the funnel is the right idea. So again, we've got several podcasts that have, we've gone deeper on this particular subject, but just to recap briefly, there are kind of two main ways that I see people using them in the most beneficial way. The first one is as amplifying information to the to the book that's been created. So if the outline is very similar, so let's assume that this isn't a salesy pod, uh, mm -hmm. webinar, it's, it's okay. more educational. It's very similar to the content of the book because it's the same subject. So using it as an amplifier is a great way in that initial follow-up sequence. So we often talk about having that initial follow-up once people opt in of a series of emails that kind of amplifies and tries to engage people in conversation. So following up a day or two after people request it by saying, here's a copy of, here's access to a private event that we did where I got a chance to talk in more depth about the subjects in the book. The outlines are very similar because it's this is the this is the distilled, important, most beneficial outline process um, individual subjects. 
but obviously when i talk from stage you've got the opportunity to kind of elaborate a little bit more and, and go in depth so you can hear some of the the nuance of the important points in this in this presentation and then sending a link a link that as an amplifier to the book is a great way it's just more touch points more relevant touch points to reach out to people and then follow up that message with the spear type email the short person expecting a reply of hey betsy a number of people after hearing the webinar had a particular question about such and such um I'd love to share some more of, of that particular subject with you in detail. Um, let me know when's a good time and, and we can jump on a call. Or asking people if the webinar is talking about a specific framework. So we talk about the realtors quite a lot and one of the common mm -hmm. spear type emails there is, are you looking for a home to live in or a house to invest in? On the books and the business the spear questions we've got are often have you picked a title yet or what line of business are you in those emails that are, are expecting short and expecting a response it, within the context that they've just listened to the webinar again it's another opportunity to ask those short personal questions and engage people in in conversation so that's the first way use it as an amplifier so that yeah. is if it's very similar um but you're just giving people another way to consume similar information if it is more salesy so that example that we just talked about where it is a salesy webinar the framework broadly is the same but the actual content you don't want to use exactly because it's too soon in the process there is the opportunity to use that then later in the funnel probably not quite as soon as it would be if it was an amplifying podcast you probably want to mm -hmm. build a little bit of rapport with people and give people a little bit more before you then kind of bash them with the um with the sales one but it's definitely something that you can lead people towards as that traffic gets warmer so potentially there it's they download a copy of the book you ask them a sphere question what type of business are they in you follow up with a pdf or another piece of audio that kind of amplifies one of the points particularly hey betsy one of the one of the things that people struggle with a lot is picking the title but we know that once people have picked the title then they can really that's often the kind of kick up the ass to get going. Here's a link to a a um, webinar Q&A that we did specifically about picking titles. So give, 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 give in terms of information mm -hmm. and then point people towards the a webinar that closes. So um, we don't have one of those webinars, particularly we don't use it in 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 that way. But um, but that if we would have that would be something that we would add towards the end of the initial sequence so try and orchestrate that journey for the hottest potential customers those that are ready to go amplify the message a little bit try and engage people with the spear questions but at the end of that if people haven't converted towards the end then following up or dropping into a more long-term sequence that webinar or even using it as a super signature so the super signature ah. is going to be seen by people who are warmer these are people who are regularly receiving your emails it's not on the opt-in emails it's for the kind of broadcast emails that go out year after year after year then having that webinar as um as an option there and in fact actually maybe that is something like the titles workshop for us it's yeah. not a sales webinar, but there is definitely a kind of call to action at the end of, of you should get started. And the information in there is pretty, okay, right. you're pretty much ready to get started now. What's stopping you? 
and that is in our super signature. So maybe that is a good colleague. It's not an exact yeah. uh, an exact okay. example, but um, but yeah, the super signatures may be the way to go for that type of information. No, I think so. I think that's. I mean, first of all, it's always there in every email right. that goes out. You know, it's just there. It's it's you know, you don't even know when it's working. And um, I think that's the one of the things I think about super signature. And I'm not great. I'll be honest. If somebody reads my email, there's. I've been thinking about my super signature for a while, and I need to work on it. But um, when when those things are just there, and you like, I see certain people's emails and their super signatures all the time, and finally something will click and you know, it could be Joe Schmo and he's been emailing me for two years and all of a sudden I'm clicking on his super signature. You know, it's been right. there this whole time. Um, and it just sort of one day finally work, you know, pops, you yeah. know, and it just does its job. It's definitely that, uh, I'm sure people have heard me mention the Wombat Selling book in the past, Michael Gleason's book, where it's mm-hmm. absolutely about the check moves. You can't decide when someone's going to buy. That's entirely up to them. Mm-hmm. All you can do is continue to present a buying opportunity. And when they're ready, then they'll they'll execute. And that being ready might be just they need more education, they need more time. Mm-hmm. It's something in their life has changed. But always presenting that. Uh, that opportunity is the is the way to go and this is a great way of doing that and at least Sasevich has written a couple of books with us and a couple of books independently but they're some of the early ones that they had where they did have that sales presentation that that webinar that was part of their existing sales funnel they use the book to lead people into that existing sales funnel. So again, similarly, it wasn't that they jumped straight to the sales presentation. Mm-hmm. They knew they had the sales presentation in the funnel. They were just using the book as a primer for the funnel. And that funnel had a couple of steps in it that led to the presentation. So again, it was a known structured thing where the customers were getting, the leads that were cold were getting warmed up and then presented with the mm-hmm. opportunity to join the call. And the book then was just another opportunity to put people into the beginning of that process. Um, not that they had a presentation that they wanted to reuse in the book and uh, mm-hmm. and just kind of reuse something that existed without thinking of the context. There we go. Fantastic. Okay. That seems like a good place to start. Yeah, I think so. Um, as I mentioned, we've got several podcasts that talk about some of these individual elements in a little bit more detail. So just dive back through the, the archive there at 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast. Um, all of the shows are up there and there's lots of examples of the specifics. And also don't um, uh, don't miss the Jonathan Schulteis call from yes. last week. So this is... Um, this is episode 79. That one will be episode 78. And then there's uh, obviously there's the search box on the site as well. So just have a dive in and pick up some of the other subjects. Um, we talked about a few things. One of them was the book blueprint scorecard. So that's our framework that we use to create books. If you're listening to this and thinking about doing one yourself or you're thinking about joining us and and working with us but want to get a heads up on what the the framework is like then definitely recommend going to bookblueprintscore.com and completing your own book blueprint scorecard for some insights into what you're picking as a title and the call to action and and the other six elements of of the framework um so that's at bookblueprintscore.com and 
as always i think the only other two suggestions are if you've got anything that you want us to cover in the show just shoot us an email to support at 90minutebooks.com or podcast at 90minutebooks.com and uh and make some suggestions and we can follow up and as you listen to this as always the best way of, of getting started is uh is just to follow the get started links on the site and in the next um well we're just on by the next bank holiday you could have your book out there and uh, and engage in those leads and leading people eventually to your webinar <laughs> there you go yeah that's awesome fantastic well, I think this is a good show it's been a, it's been a good show and i think there's um for anybody who's thinking about it there's there's reasons not to and then there's reasons um things you can do to share that valuable content so yeah exactly make the most of what's been done absolutely Cool. Okay, Betsy. Well, thanks for your time. Um, have uh, have fun in the rain later on today, and then <laughs> we will catch you in the next one. Very good. Take care. Thanks. Bye.